I wonder, and for a while now have been wondering, how the hell would universal basic income even work? And so I decided that I'm not going to wait for anyone much smarter than me to tell me and to explain, but I can just figure it out myself. Listen, I have been hearing about this idea for some time now, both from people who do and do not get it and both from people who do and do not hide the fact that they don't get it. And I don't know, I just can tell that there is something really important going on here, something that I really wouldn't want to miss as this little boat drifting in this very fast-paced and ever-changing political ocean. And I think that the reason this idea is spoken about much more often these days than, say, 10 years ago, is that we can now see the rate of automation of jobs and the growth of artificial intelligence. That's my favorite thing. Yeah, let's talk about that in the future as well. Let's wonder about that. <laughs> so, um, yes, we can see that now much more than, say, 10 years ago. And we can see that artificial intelligence might replace a lot of jobs not even the simplest ones but also the the work of writers and artists and teachers and judges and even software engineers it is projected that in the next 20 years around 40 percent of jobs will become automated so you know that is almost half of the jobs that we have today and the thing is, if the basic jobs that give us the products and services that we need to live happy and healthy lives, then what space does that leave for human productivity and work? Like, what will happen to human capital? And I guess this is, this fear, this insecurity is the reason people started really considering universal basic income. And I think that insecurity and that fear about the future of the workforce, again, combined with the current state of capitalism and the way that it impacts basically everything, but I'm going to talk about that more later on. I think this is the reason why the idea of the universal basic income has been dug up, because actually it's not as new as you might suspect. But let's start at the beginning. How does it work? Universal basic income, what is it? So it is very simple. It's just citizens, regardless of age, income, status or employment, receive a universal set sum of money to help reduce inequality and poverty. And now there are different forms and ideas on how this should be done. But the most popular one is the minimal basic income, uh, where the idea is to simply give citizens just enough money, like a little above what is considered the poverty line. So depending on a country and its economy, that would differ. But for example, in the US, that's around a thousand dollars per month 
And this policy means that people would receive the minimal amount of money just to get by. But the free market would still be intact. So people would still make different incomes, different wages, depending on their job and their position and other variables. And they could also start their own businesses and they could sell their products and services for however much they want so they would start with this universal basic income but at the end of the day everyone will have different earnings and different incomes from all of the things that they do and how they spend their time and if they're working or not. And now the idea is that since you get this thousand bucks, but the money received and the minimal basic income would not be taxed, you could spend it on groceries or tutoring for your kids or fuel for your car or the occasional night out. And this would both stimulate the economy by increasing, especially domestic demand, but also potentially create new jobs and it could also decrease the levels of stress and anxiety connected to financial insecurity that is so common these days and therefore that could relieve the issue of domestic violence and crime rates as well as increase workers productivity and perhaps happiness as well and that's all nice and good but realistically speaking where do we want to get that money from we have to get that from somewhere so there are two main ways the easiest way to arrange money for the universal basic income would be to cut welfare and funding for housing or medical care or pronatalist policies which support the citizens only indirectly and instead give that money directly to the people through the UBI and in that way give them the choice and the decision on how they want to spend it, what are their priorities. And this also means that a lot of governmental offices that, for example, manage welfare and such would not be necessary and so even more money would be saved and in theory more money would be available to the people and to the UBI. And then there's the second way to do that, which is to raise taxes, especially for the ultra-wealthy people. So since the growth of the economy and the increase in wealth does not universally benefit all people, which is officially called the wealth gap, one could argue that it is only fair to increase the tax for the very rich. I am looking at you, Jeffrey. So increase the tax for the rich and uniformly distribute it to all the folks. So when I first heard about this idea, I thought that this must be some new novel thing in economics that some kind of economy professor at Stanford wrote a book about. Uh, but no, turns out that politicians and governments of all sorts have been flirting with this idea for actually hundreds of years. And this system has been actually fully implemented 
in Alaska where people received a thousand to two thousand dollars no questions asked each month uh, and in Alaska that was possible because of all of that oil money that the state uh, has. Apart from that full implementation around the world there have been different studies and different trials that I want to tell you about. So there has been a 2013 study by the World Bank which examined the effects and the way people spent their money given in the UBI because the suspicion was that if we give just free money to the people they would spend it on alcohol and drugs and cigarettes and such. But actually the conclusions were that giving that minimal amount of money to poor people, to poor families, actually makes them invest in basic material goods such as food and clothes and technology. So just the things that they need. Uh, however, the study also found that the richer a person is, and so the more disposable the money given to them seems, the more likely it is that they will spend it on alcohol and tobacco. And also, there was this trial run in Canada. By the way, I'm going to link these in the episode description. So there was this trial run, and they wanted to see how the universal basic income would affect the workforce and productivity and whether people would just stop working and whether unemployment would rise. But the study showed that the only recipients of the uh, minimal basic income in this case who stopped working were the 1% of participants who had to take care of their children. And also the time spent at work was only reduced by around 10% and supposedly used for the promotion of growth in other areas of their lives, such as going back to school or self-education and hobbies and spending time with loved ones and such. And the most recent and most popular application of the universal basic income was seen in Gyeonggi, which is a province of South Korea. And in 2020, there was this new policy uh, arranged by the governor uh, where I think in this case it was people like in their 20s they were given a sum of money to spend but the catch was that they only could spend it for the products and services within their neighborhood in that way aiming to stimulate domestic demand. So, for instance, people were giving around $400 per month to spend it, you know, on food and basic necessities that people in their 20s need, especially in the, during the pandemic, because, you know, that was 2020. Um, so they could spend it on food, for instance, but instead of going to McDonald's, they would go to local markets and restaurants and it was actually found that for the local businesses that participated in the program, the sales increased by around 45%. So I, I really like that one because you can actually see how it worked. And um, there are some testimonials of the young people how they found this program supportive 
um, and also you know the local businesses and markets could benefit from that as well so it's a win-win situation so in comparison to most welfare programs the universal basic income seems like a much more stable and secure and safe option because in most welfare programs if you earn more than what you're supposed to and what is the aim of the program by the job you've been given they can actually take that money away and the earnings are also taxed which is not the case with minimal basic income and yeah you can easily get a job and get an additional income and the UBI will not be cut and also here there is no risk of inflation since the money is not created it's just transferred from one place to another to the citizen's pocket and it's not you know artificially created and printed as happened with some rescue packages during the pandemic actually with most rescue packages during the pandemic and now we have to struggle with the inflation and the crisis of the economy even though the pandemic happened you know three years ago and also one study showed that in the US at least the UBI of just $1,000 per month could lead to a 12% growth in gross domestic product since it would allow the poorer communities to spend more and again increasing domestic demand and stimulating the economy and not to mention the capital generated by these folks. Um, also a big argument for UBI is that the money given to people doing physical labor such as the ones working in sewers or landfills um, might result in them finding a better job or educating themselves and with that potential growth of the economy and technology these jobs could actually be performed by machines and robots and technology and AI instead of them and they wouldn't have to do jobs that they don't find fulfilling. And personally, I really think that an important asset of the UBI would be that these programs could decrease the levels of anxiety, fear and financial insecurity experienced by people in lower socioeconomic backgrounds. And apart from their better mental health, which is a very big deal... This could also indirectly lead to lower crime rates and substance abuse, which are linked to financial anxiety in those communities. And this is all nice and well, very exciting. Uh, but the actual reason that I started being interested in this topic was because of the potential benefits of the UBI in the context of the current state of our lovely capitalist economy and capitalist society, because I was wondering if it is possible to move away from capitalism and live in a more, well, I guess, socialist society based on a universal basic income. And before we answer that question, which is a big one, I wanted to explain my thinking here and explain also why I am 
attacking late-stage capitalism because I know that it can be a touchy subject and if you've been listening to me for a while you know that I am the last person to sign up to any ideologies but clearly capitalism is not fun it requires inequality of wealth to function to stimulate risk-taking and effort and governments try to stem it with taxes on wealth capital inheritance and property but inequality is the foundation of capitalism and as we can see these days in that system the rich only get richer and the poor get poorer capitalism is based on this idea that you get specialized in a very narrow field for example you can have a company that will make this one part of refrigerators and spend your whole life being an expert in that and arguably yes specializing in a very narrow field and then trading leads to quicker progress but the question remains in the past 50 or 100 years has progress actually made us happier and has capitalism actually made us happier and the argument also is that when you have this job for example coming back to like years of the growth of industry and capitalism let's say that your job was to add laces in a shoe factory and this is what you are doing the entire day you're just adding laces and you know that is not necessarily a job that you feel has a personal significance to what you're doing and you feeling like a valuable member of a society and this is also the price that we pay in capitalism most of us will not be able to work these exciting jobs um, that change lives and that we actually see value in but most of us will be earning the average salary just to get by and we will just feel as insignificant cogs in the machine as these very specialized workers and the thing is we're not gonna be paid what we're worth and what for what we've actually done but we're gonna be paid the very least amount of money that we will be willing to accept the amount of money you're getting paid in most companies is very arbitrary and has nothing to do with your work and how tough it is and also with the value of the product or service that arises it's very arbitrary and most of the times the managers and directors and ceos above you will get five or ten times what you make simply due to position or because that is how it works and the rest is going to be company revenue and the big cost of capitalism is you know the planet like let's be honest human production transportation of goods trade and consumption these are the pillars on which capitalism is based and these have a more than destructive effect on the planet's ecosystem the climate and the management of our planet's scarce resources so we all suffer and we also all suffer when the economy quote-unquote uh, goes through these 
constant crises every 10 years and we just accept that and that the market suffers inflation and people beg for jobs and gas and electricity when the biggest part of wealth and resources is limited to that top 1% of people. So even when we have an overflow of food and homes, and trust me, there is more than enough food and homes and resources for most of us, there is still a housing crisis and still people dying from hunger. And even when technically we actually don't have to work and we could spend more time at home or doing our hobbies or being in our communities, living fulfilling lives, even though there is the money and the resources and the food for most of humanity to do that, actually we are working more and more and more in this arbitrary system. And I guess from what I've read and what I personally think, one of the a common criticism of socialism is the argument that people who have jobs, these unfulfilling jobs such as, I don't know, clogging the sewer or working in landfills, these jobs wouldn't get done without the incentive, the capital's incentive. And if these people would have the universal basic income, for example, they wouldn't have an incentive to do things that they find unfulfilling but again my argument is that nowadays with machines and technologies and AI being able to do actually most of jobs and especially those very tedious jobs I think this issue could be avoided. So for all these reasons capitalism today is just not working as intended or as hoped and the percentage of people who are increasingly benefiting from all of it at the expense of everyone else is low. It will be perfectly fair to say that 1% benefits from the work of the 99%. And for that reason, the universal basic income might be a way to actually reinvent capitalism, if not begin to move away from it. I want to quote um, an article by Dr. Brian W. Skoulos, a political science lecturer at Florida International University. He says that the idea that an expansive UBI program could not be a direct challenge to capitalism is frankly laughable. And he suggests two reasons. First, UBI would take the workers in enormous numbers out of the realm of necessity and closer to the realm of freedom. With a subsistence UBI, workers would no longer be forced to work at low-paying, degrading, unsafe or mindless jobs. And these jobs would then likely become the first sites of full automation. If systematically compelled wage labor is the sine qua non of capitalist mode of production, then a subsistence or above UBI would be a direct challenge to the foundation of capitalism. And secondly, a thick UBI could change how people think about their value in society. By declaring 
not with mere rhetoric, but with serious policy, that all people, regardless of status, effort, place of birth, gender, race, sexuality, or any other category, are worthy of the dignity of the means to support themselves, society has a powerful opportunity to evolve in a more just and democratic direction. It wouldn't necessarily be a smooth transition, but it would certainly provide the basis for a practical transition from capitalism to an egalitarian democratic post-capitalism, or as some would call it, socialism. So there are many of positive things to say about this idea and it might seem very exciting and the risk of promoting unemployment or substance abuse is not really worthy of attention. At least this is what it seems like. So wait, are there any cons to this actually? Should we just embrace it? Well, there are a couple of bad things that we can say about this. And with so much people depending on the government for a large sum and sometimes a very big part of their earnings, the UBI would give the government a somewhat unhealthy level of leverage and power over these recipients, over the citizens. And what's moreover connected to that is that often to tune and to adapt the UBI programs or to determine their effectiveness, governments track the expenses and transactions and incomes of the citizens. And this can potentially pose a risk of personal privacy and security. And on a national level, that is a very serious and real threat especially with so many parties and corporations and individuals trying to exercise their political influence, this would be a very real way of doing that. For example, in elections, a political party in their campaign would be able to just say, you know what, we're going to raise your universal basic income and just with the money that they have available as a government or whatever, they would be able to win elections and I don't know if we can call that democratic. Furthermore, Douglas Rushkoff, a professor of digital economics, suggested that the idea of the universal basic income is a way for the capitalist government to perpetuate our role as consumers at the bottom of the pyramid and not as owners at the top. He argues that the UBI would keep the society in the bondage of consumerism, which is the capitalist's golden egg, so to speak. To quote him, funneling money to the 99% at the bottom perpetuates the role as consumers pumping money straight back to the top 1% of the pyramid. And the view of one another person that I am a big fan of and you probably know that and I think everyone knows that and I think everyone should be a fan of him by the way. Um, Yuval Noah Harari, a professor of history and best-selling author of Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind, suggested that a common problem with such national and municipal schemes is that the main victims of automation may not actually live in Finland, Canada, the Netherlands or the US where these UBI schemes are being introduced. 
Globalization has made people in one country or in a couple of countries dependent on the markets in another countries. But, quote, automation might unravel large parts of this global trade network with disastrous consequences for the weakest links. In the 20th century, developing countries lacking natural resources made economic progress mainly by selling the cheap labor of their unskilled workers. And today, millions of Bangladeshis make a living by producing shirts and selling them to customers in the United States, while people in the Bangalore earn their keep in call centers dealing with the complaints of American customers. So in other words, the UBI would only work if it was truly universal, and not just on a national scale, but on a global one. Or actually, we could say that it could only work if it would treat a bit better and leverage the people in developing countries through this scheme and try to make the world a bit more equal in that sense. To kind of conclude this podcast, I want to say that the issue of whether or not we should incorporate universal basic income, especially in the form of minimum basic income, It is a complicated one, it's a complicated topic, but the good news is that we are now more than ever before equipped with the technology and structures to make it happen and in this way either reinvent or move away from capitalism, at least the capitalism that we see today in its destructive and unjust power over the planet and the people. With automation and with AI, as well as media and most money being in the electronic form and not actually having to do physical transfers of money, this idea could only work in this day and age and I don't think it would be able to properly work before we had bank accounts. So there is potential here. And again, as you know, I'm a fan of uncertainty, I'm a fan of doubt, I'm not subscribing to anything here, I'm not saying this is good or bad, I really wanted to understand this idea better, hence this research, hence this episode. This is not to say that capitalism or socialism or universal basic income or lack of it is better. This is what I've learned and this is what I think and I am recording this and sharing this to provoke your thought so definitely I am very very curious to hear what you think of this and what you think the potential or the danger of this idea is. Um, I guess I wanted to add a quote because I was, as I was researching this, I came back to Yuval Noah Harari's 21 Lessons for the 21st century. And I really liked what he says, that if we manage to combine a universal economic safety net with strong communities and meaningful pursuits, losing our jobs to the algorithms might actually turn out to be a blessing, not a curse. And I guess that could be a really nice way, a more optimistic way to end this episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. 
and I want to thank you for listening. For now, take care of yourself, and I'll keep wondering. <laughs>